Welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members. What's going on, John? Ah, not much. Same stuff, different day. How about yourself? Same stuff, same stuff different day. All right, all right. What's uh, what's the word? What's uh, what's new with you? Anything? I think we're in. Uh, we're due for another podcast after a busy due week for at work. Actually, two almost two weeks at work. Um, okay. We finally have to uh, get together and and knock another podcast out. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Let's flip the script a little bit. I'm going to throw something out there for you this time. I like the sound of that. Let's go. Right, leaving the dark for a little bit, right? <laughs> right? Sounds good. All right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about communication breakdowns when you're operating at an incident. Oh, that's a touchy subject that happens far too often. It it's completely too avoidable. Often. It is completely avoidable. Yes. Uh, and so what are the main concerns or the main issues with that communication breakdown? And I guess we should probably break it down into two parts. Either you're operating as a single operator and going to an incident commander, or if you're operating with multiple people in your program, and how there's a sometimes a breakdown in communication for one reason or another. Well, let's start with the the single operator because okay. I think that's the biggest yeah. failure. Sorry, the country. Sorry, I'll go with that. Um, your job is to get the information that you have out, and if you're not providing that service at all, then that's that's a big problem because yeah. what are you even doing there? Um, oh. it's, Essentially, at this point, you're just a camera operator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for your, your sole purpose, whether you're a single operator or you're operating with, with multiple people, is to provide data to the person in charge of that scene who can make a command decision on what to do next. Absolutely. And, and if you can't deliver that for one reason or another, like you said, you're 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 taking video and that's all you So do. let's let's. With today's day and age, right, there are multiple ways to communicate, right? You have text message, cell phone, you know, regular phone call. I don't think anybody has a landline anymore, um, but it is an option if you find, you know, yourself that way. Um, well, there's no pay phones around anymore. <laughs> radios and satellites. I mean, communications is is easy, but... Sometimes you operate, especially as these sole operators, they're operating. Sometimes they're in, you know, cellular de- denied environments yeah. you know, in the middle of, you know, a wildland somewhere. They don't have the luxury of picking up the phone. However, shouldn't be out there without a radio. No. You know, uh, at least at the bare minimum, they might not be able to show what they see per se um, by a drone sensor or another, you know, app such as air data or something, but they'd still be able to verbalize what they're seeing, especially if it's something, you know, important. They got to be able to get that information out. As a technology-based unit, you know, we rely on technology. And when that technology isn't there, it's like, well, what do we do now? Like, yeah. you know, and nobody really thinks outside the box of using, I don't know, just the radio that you have on you. Oh, to- exactly. Yeah. I mean, as as much of a tech-based, you know, program that we're involved in, uh, I still like pen and paper with everything when it comes down to pencil and pencil and paper when it comes down to everything. I kind of bring it back to basics with certain stuff. But I think a large 
problem is the fact that we're so used to technology, we're so used to operating it, that what we see on the screen, we automatically assume that that incident commander or that person making that decision is is recognizing that. So we don't verbalize it. Um, and and I, I think that's that's a that's a downfall of some programs is that is that there needs to be more communication between your hierarchy and your department or agency and the uh, and the pilot operating. So we're in the luxury of, you know, how we operate is we we have the ability to do these demonstrations with these incident commanders and we're able to showcase this and say, hey, you're looking for this. Uh, it's really up to the operators and the people running their programs to say, hey, we need to get together for a drill. We need to show you what you need to look at. And we need to make sure that you're aware of when we show you a video feed or whatever, that you're kind of understanding. And if you're not understanding it completely, then you have to ask further questions and yeah. really make sure that that communications between the, you know, the incident commander and the pilot themselves, they understand where and what they're looking at. And the pilot also has to understand maybe they could reposition to showcase an area that's um, highly effective, we'll say, and make that the foreground of the video. So, like, there's no way you, you're you not looking at it, you know? And a lot of times when you pull back from a structure and you're looking at, let's say, you know, the possibility of a chimney collapse, we'll say, and you're you're showing the entire structure. Now, just imagine if you zoomed in on that chimney and you're you, that's the only thing you see, that's going to catch somebody's attention. And they're yeah, like, well, totally. Why would this person be zooming on that in on that? That chimney, or well, yeah. maybe the big giant crack that's right there. You yeah. know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, but then, but you need to verbalize it too. I mean, Absolutely. Like, like we always, we always push that whole redundancy, build a redundancy into your program. I think communication is another portion of building that redundancy into your program because not only are you showcasing what's on the screen, but you're verbalizing it as well. Correct. And I mean, a lot of times the incident commander isn't married to the screen. Oh, no, they're running an operation. So they might not even be aware of what you're actually sending out to them. Yeah. Yeah, no, to totally. Uh, I, I also think that we're very lucky with with how we operate and that we have the resources and manpower to kind of go around and showcase what we do to uh it, you know, chiefs and incident commanders, you know, throughout our, our response area. But once you once you push that out to those single operators and everything, I, th I think it's a lot more difficult to to be able to do that because now you're dealing with volunteer departments or agencies and and, and people have other lives besides the the, um, you know, the fire service when you deal with something like that and to, to have those those structured events that you can bring people in. And actually showcase what you're doing, I think is important. Correct. But there's no shortage of information on the internet that can be scoured. Yeah. Um, there's there's the uh thermal videos and you know, regular videos that showcase this. And as an operator, you have a skill set and a responsibility to educate your incident commanders. Yeah. So even if you created a video of things to look for or the or an outline of, hey, if I'm zooming in and out on something, that that's something that you need to check out. Yeah. And you establish just even a communication. You could do that by a couple of emails, a couple of text messages back and forth with some of these incident commanders rather than planning a whole operation. It's just once getting everybody on the same page is, you know, 
the beginning steps of communication, you know, great communications. And yeah, if and you don't do that, it's the beginning of really bad communications. Exactly. And sometimes just a simple, uh, a simple communication or a simple phrase it can can really bring that whole scene together. Like we, we have the luxury of dealing with of having an officer that almost acts as a liaison between you know that incident commander and 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 us. And just to to do that verbalization of you know. Hey, boss, you're looking at the three side on the bottom of the screen, like just something as simple as that allows that person to kind of verbalize it to the incident commander and say, OK, you know, that's the three side. Here's where it is. Here's where this is. And and you autom- you have a you have a perfect picture without having to think of like, oh, is that rig in the front of the building or is that in the rear of the building? What am I looking at here? It's uh, it's it's just easy to push, push that out. To Correct. Make it- and it's worse to push incorrect information. Yeah. You know, which is even more damaging because now if let's say you got the exposures wrong and you think that you're looking at the one side or the A side of the building and you're actually looking at the C side or the three side of the building and you allocate resources, you know, via, you know, front, back, left and right, you're basically sending them into harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how you slice it, everything was reversed. If they're supposed to be on, you know, hey, get off that roof on the right hand side. And you're looking at it from the other way. You're basically marching them right into the area of concern. Yeah, and and it it should be something that 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 becomes commonplace with us because um, as an incident commander, I would think that if you were looking at the screen, you you would almost automatically assume that you're looking at the view that is directly in front of them. Correct. Which is which is the front of the building, and you need to kind of let them know that 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 not might not necessarily be the case. Correct. And it wouldn't be a bad move, depending on how you set it up to especially like incident commanders, if they have, you know, the compass or like the drone telemetry data, it normally shows you, you know, a compass heading on there. So if you could say, hey, the front of the building is, you know, we'll say three two seven, then you know if it's not Uh, that you can kind of go the opposite way or east, west, north, south. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, most of us we we just give them the raw screens. This way, they yeah. don't even see the telemetry data. Yeah, I think so I think it's really important. I think that, that I think that kind of falls into the sometimes too much data is just as damaging as not enough. Absolutely, and, and and to just give them a very basic view of of an operation is sometimes better than than all that telemetry that you can add to it. Yeah. And I mean, one quick way to do it too would be to mark the front of the building with the laser designator. Uh, yeah. So if you mark the front of the building, that will stay up on all your video, and it will it will populate there. And then you could just mark that as front of the building. You know, the the diamond is on the front of the building. Yeah. And now every time you look at the building, they'll know exactly where the front of the building is without getting spun around. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so so single operators, that's that's kind of the stuff you run into. What, what about um, if you're dealing with a situation like us where we have multiple people in a program operating? Well, our communication failures happen from, you know, our radios. Uh, sometimes our radios don't go don't don't work in the area that we're we're working yeah. in. Then we have, you know, we, we immediately resort to all right, cell phone. Because, I mean, oh yeah, let's face it, we're in a big city. We have the luxury of being able to do that. And we really haven't come across anything where our equipment did not work. No. Um, 
And if we do come across that, I mean, we do have contingency plans on what to do and how to how to get it. We could switch our radios off and go to a different channel and so on and so forth. And that would definitely work. That would put them on a, like a regular radio feed. But now we would have to figure out how to operate as a unit on a tactical ground channel yeah. um, and get the information that we need across without crowding the tactical channel. And that's that's why we're on our own sub channel, which is extremely difficult to yeah. operate on a tactical level with our team uh, on tactical where where this you know transmissions going on for every part of the incident. Yeah, I think that's an issue. I, I also think that when you're dealing with uh, with with a program that responds with multiple people, and you do have an officer that's responding to, um, and you are supplying that video feed again you want to make it as simple as possible when you're supplying it so you're not giving all the telemetry they might ask for things that you can't provide or is an issue for you to provide due to what you're actually looking at on your screen like you see signals drop out or you start to see um uh sat uh, satellite service kind of get diminished because you're going in between buildings and you need to be able to relay those issues with your officer or with your commanding officer to let them know because I mean, they're just looking at the picture and not looking at everything that is leading up to that picture. And that's major, major factor in, in being a, a successful pilot in a program like this. Yeah. I mean, every, like we always say, your ground game is, is yeah. more important than anything else. Being able to communicate effectively is part of that ground game. Yeah. That's got to be established before that thing leaves the ground. Yeah. Um, because if it's up in the air and again, you're not getting, you know, the information across that you need to present or more importantly, you can't get, you know, your mission objective changes mid flight and you're not aware of it, then you're not going to be providing a service at that point. You're you're a nuisance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no other way to put it. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're you're a nuisance with an M30. <laughs> you are a nuisance with an M30. Yeah. 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 So. But uh, yeah, definitely communications is, you know, it's definitely a, a hard topic, but it's very easy to solve. And it just comes down to working around your equipment. All right. Take what we're going to do today is we're going to run, you know, a full scale exercise. Yeah. Minus this piece of equipment that we rely on every day. Uh, take your phones, leave your phones in the rig. Like that's yeah. now, we're, now we don't have them neither. Now what do we do? And in that case, sometimes it might be all right. Well, send the pilot to the command post. You know, yes. leave the landing pad back, but the pilot just has to go up to the incident commander and say, this is what you got, you know, and show them the screen and explain it to them. And everything else is out, you know. And at that point, that's I mean, that's direct communication. You don't get any no, direct communication is perfect. But, you know, as a as a PIC, you're really married to making sure that that UAS is flying safely in that airspace. And that that's something difficult to do if you need to start relaying information to an incident commander that's where your vo or your multiple vo's come into play i guess is where you can pull one of them away to act as as a, a liaison for uh you know for what you're trying to communicate and yeah, and plus it also brings up the stress levels anytime yeah. an incident commander is looking over your shoulders saying like uh oh, can you can you do this can you do that can you do this uh what's that look like what's this yeah. and yeah. you know you stop focusing you know your eyes are on screen instead of in the air where they should be yeah there's, there's pros and cons to being next to uh the, the incident commander and 
being separated, that stress level does get diminished. When I can't think of many pros to being there besides the fact that you have direct communication almost instantly. Other than that, I can't think of a single one that's going to be beneficial. No, I, I can't either. I always think it's better to be pushed away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And let them, you know, go over the radio, communicate with us directly yeah. what he or she may need, and we'll provide that. But um, it also, you know, brings a nice sense of, you know, pilot awareness where the pilot's yeah. aware of everything that's going around them. Yes, I'm hearing what what I need to do, but I'm also keeping my eyes on the drone and I'm hitting buttons at my own pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I, you know, I see, I look around, there's no birds incoming, then I could adjust, you know, my thermals or yeah. whatever the case may be, or, you know, pitch the camera gimbal down or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, or move to another location, but it's hard to do when you have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, communication is easier face to face, but but uh, I think your stress level is diminished and you're able to do your the workflow is a lot easier if you're if you're separated from that instant command post. And everything goes through the command post. Yeah. You know, every every, you know, the incident commander, everything is going through that one individual. Yeah. So any unit that reports in is going to be coming up to the pilot and the incident commander. Too much traffic. Yeah, it's a lot of foot traffic, a lot of radio traffic, a lot of traffic in general. Uh, it's just, like you said, a lot easier to. But you still need to be able to operate effectively if everything goes down and that's the only form of communication you have. Yeah, I, I, think, I think single operators, that's what they have. They go over to the incident commander and they're like, hey, you know, look at this. This is what you have. Yeah. And um, it works for them. But you also don't have that constant flow of traffic like you would in your big cities right. or right. your metropolis departments where there's no shortage of people coming in um, or going around here. Everybody that re- responds in goes to that same location. It just it will you could forget landing the drone there is impossible. But if you're in one of these like rural towns, rural or township, it's actually doable to operate from a command post. Yeah. So I guess it it, it it all depends on your environment. Uh, communication depends on your environment. I think a good takeaway from all this, though, is that with uh, proper communication, as a pilot who has the experience of operating at a scene, you need to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you need to um, uh, assume that nobody else sees or knows what you're looking at. Uh, and and you need to communicate that and communicate it effectively. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, every one of us know how to, like, look at a thermal camera and say, OK, I could see that that's, you know, a, a person. But when you start talking, you know, is that heavy fire or is that just, you know, the glare from the sun? Or residual heat. You know, we're looking at or residual we're looking heat. At, yeah. is, it ri- is it raising? Is it lowering? Um, yeah. what, it, you know, improving or digressing or whatever the case may be. That's up to the pilot normally to know their equipment good enough to say, well, this is what I'm seeing from the sensor. And you you also have to communicate that effectively based on on the day to day of what's used in your department. Like our thermal imaging cameras are white hot. Right. So if we're switching color palettes, you need to communicate that and communicate that effectively. So they're not uh, looking at that image and misconstruing that information. Correct. Also, the same thing with like uh, we have red hot, you know, where it shows the hottest part in red. 
Well, the hottest part could be 80 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. and they're looking and they're looking at like the rooftop of a building and it's, you know, the sun just came out and it's starting to warm up. And that's the hottest part of that whole scene. And they're like, is that all on fire? <laughs> like, and you're like, no, it's it's 46 degrees. It's not on fire, <laughs> you know, but it's important to communicate that because sometimes if they look at the screen and they say all red, um, that brings their stress level up and their anxiety level up. And, you know, an incident commander with an anxiety level and a stress level that's elevated isn't going to be as efficient as one that's a little bit more relaxed. Very true. Yeah. All right, man. So I think uh, effective communication is key to uh, to getting a successful mission, you know, from Absolutely. start. Right. All right, man. I think it's done. How's the, How was it flipping the script? It wasn't bad. Maybe we'll do yeah. it one more time. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I like when you kind of blindside me. Nice. <laughs> so I'll, I'll come up with some random topic that I find off the internet. All right. Yeah. Cool. You know. All right. Good stuff. Well, that's fantastic. I guess, uh, dude. I guess uh, this this wraps up another edition of Profit Book Safety, right? Yep. Stay safe. Fly safe. We'll see you at the next one. The next one. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.